When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Welcome back, everybody. Ears Up Podcast. We're here on a beautiful, muggy Thursday evening to talk all about uh, Disneyland and maybe some Disney World stuff. I don't actually really know. Uh, mm. This is an Eric show, and I appreciate oh. an Eric show. Right? This is your show, right, Eric? I, I, I think I... Well, sure. We'll call it, <laughs> we'll call it a me show. Why okay. not? All right, yeah. So we're going to be talking... Uh, what are we talking about today, Eric? Fill me in, please. We're I probably should know. Up. Yeah, you, you 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 probably should know before yeah. we get rolling here. Uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt Wood, C.V. Wood, the hidden and and deliberately uh, ignored um, uh, instrumental creator of Dis- Disneyland, one of the people without whom the parts would not have been built. Wow. Okay. I feel like we've mentioned him before, but I don't think we've done the deep dive that I imagine you're you're throwing us. Yeah, yeah. Taryn mentioned it on the the history of the Disneyland Park episode and uh, talked about him a little bit. And I think he's popped up here and there every once in a while. But yeah. the guy really, for somebody who spent six months as an actual general manager of Disneyland, um, mm-hmm. he was he did quite a few things. So it's I'm going to go into his history a little bit and talk about how he came to be and how he came to be in charge of Disneyland and. Um, how many fights he had with Walt on a regular <laughs> basis. I love hearing about people who argue with Walt. That to me is the, it's just like going up against God, especially in that, in that era, you know, or Zeus, I guess <laughs> you don't upset the big man. You just, you don't do it. But right. anybody but who I, fights I, with them kind of rules just, you know, already. Oh yeah. And I can imagine that Roy was probably delighted to have him around because for once he's not the one telling Walt. no. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> He's like, well, you know, you're you got to tell him, not me. I'm not doing it. CV <laughs> Cornelius. Anyway, uh, that's great. Uh, before we jump into the show, uh, Bev will be here tonight. She is not here currently. She has a flat tire. She called me at like 730. I'm like, oh, no. Anybody who calls me half an hour before showtime, I know they're not going to make it. You know, that's the only reason you would call, right? Or half an hour before your shift, air quotes, you know, like yeah, probably like, yeah, yeah. Like we're yeah. we're employees. Um, so she said she'll try to come in whenever she's like, I'm waiting for roadside assistance. I have no idea when they're coming. Whatever, I'll try to be there. So that's happening. And then Taryn will not be here. So for the moment, it's just Eric and myself. It's boys club again. Mm, all uh, right, doing uh, all right. in depth. Going to get confused as to what show I'm doing. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> So that'll happen uh, tonight. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. And honestly, since I've started taking over um, the uh, the social media for the sh- for the network, I guess, not really so much on Twitter. I don't really, I don't know. And it's not really Facebook. I don't know. I don't really do the social media as much as I want to. You know what I mean? I need to get someone else to do it again. I, I totally get it. Yeah. Supreme Resort, Dan and I keep talking about things and then we'll do a little bit here and there. And then we kind of get lazy and say, ah, I mean, got to like think about things. <laughs> I just want to go to Disneyland. I don't want to post all day long. And well, that's the thing, because there's so much of social media that is disingenuine. And then it comes off as 
advertising and smarmy and, and just not not yeah not genuine at all and i don't like that that's not how i like to market that's not how i like to you know write newsletters for the other company or whatever right like the other jobs i do i don't i just don't enjoy it and i, I guess i'm not very successful at it because of that but i would rather come across genuine and have something to say rather than just like i don't know man you know whatever so oh yeah I yeah you want you want your voice to come across because that's what people are listening to the show for so you don't yeah. want to like repost a disney thing and say look what new churros are coming everybody <laughs> yeah because number one you already know it you know it's already out <laughs> there but also i don't know if i i, I don't want to ever get to the point where i have to sit and think about what to post like i know i'm supposed to post so let me think about it then i i, I think you're you're sort of lost the the reason for doing it you know yeah yeah, I can see that. Or you you say, you know, I'll, I'll just take care of that later. And then a week goes by and you're like, I haven't posted anything in a week. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's something to be said for that. But I, I guess it's just forcing yourself to create content just because you know you should. Yeah, I don't know. Then then it it takes the fun out of it for me. So then I don't want to do it. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, you know, that's that's what's going on with social. It's whenever I really feel like it. Uh, we're also on TikTok, I think is how you say that. Um I think we have two videos now on TikTok and, um, you know, whatever. So you can check that out. I haven't seen them yet. Yeah. They're not on my for you page. They're not great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll have to seek them out. Yeah, you do. Follow us on TikTok. Uh, Concy ears, you guys, they are helping people all over the country and possibly the world. I don't know. I haven't yet hacked into their back end yet to figure out who their customers are. But at least across the country, they're helping people travel to the Disney parks and beyond, for that matter, but mainly to the Disney parks in the best way possible, which is uh, without any sort of worries or fears, you guys. Be perfectly ready for the parks. There's still tons of questions because Disney is really not forthcoming with information, or if they are, it's convoluted, or they change names, or the parks are just a big unknown right now just for crowd levels in general. So... Don't worry about any of that kind of stuff. Don't worry your pretty little heads about it. Contact Concierge. You go to concierge.com, buy your tickets from them, and then for no extra charge, they will help you plan your trip to the parks. They'll help you navigate the uh, Genie Plus. Maybe they can sign you up for Disney Plus, too. I don't really know. I don't know how that works. I'm sure we can figure it out. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, can you guys um, also... uh, Sign me up, please, for the for the Disney Plus package. You know, I want all the, the things. Uh, thanks. And I'd really like an Unwitch from Jimmy John's. Unwitch Beach Club, please. Um, no tomatoes. It's an Unwitch. Oh, that's that like, when they, they wrap it in lettuce instead of a bun. Oh, it's, I thought it was like instead of a bun, they just have two slices of onion. That would. Oh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be great. That'd be cool, right? Painful. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, also, if you guys are looking for more ways to connect with the, the show and the people who listen to it, our Discord is up. The link to the sh- to uh, the Discord is in the show notes, posted everywhere. But uh, come in, come join the crowd, man. We just hang out and we talk, post little memes, talk about the shows, talk about Disney stuff, talk about video games, new merch. It's kind of like whatever we want to, you know, chat about. And uh, it's fun. It's a good time. You get to know your fellow listener and, uh, you know, hang out. Love, yeah, love on one another. Digitally, we've been getting course. a lot of a lot of new people in there lately. It's been nice. Yeah, it has. It's been pretty cool. You see the 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 new um, you know the new person alert. Actually, someone in the Discord posted the other day about the new tiki mug coming to Trader Sam's. The Monstro tiki mug. It looks pretty good. I'm oh, not gonna it looks lie. awesome. It goes on sale tomorrow, and I'm disappointed. I can't get I can't get it. But I don't have room for it really anyway. So what are you gonna do? But um. Yeah, it's kind of cool, man. I, I like to see the, uh, the the tiki bar getting some love every now and then. Yeah, and if you got three hundred fifty dollars, you can just buy it later. <laughs> That's not how much it is. No, is I it? mean on eBay. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh my god, I can't wait. Actually, that's a good reminder. I'm going to set a reminder tomorrow to look for that mug on eBay and see what people are trying to rip off other Disneyland fans. You won't get that here. You won't get other ears up listeners trying to rip you off like you would like Disneyland fans will just rip off another Disneyland fan just because that's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. No, we we don't. We don't. You know, we're not asking for all of your money. But head on <laughs> over to Patreon where for Sorry. $20 a month, $5, 
That's all. No, no, you got to you got to reach for the stars, baby. Well, yeah. look, man, you know, what are you going to do? I told you I'm not a good salesman. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Eric does make a good point. Go to patreon.com slash ears up and you can join and support the show for as little as two dollars a month. If you want, if you just want to support the show, which is totally great because, you know, shows cost money to run and uh, we have a good time doing it. And that's uh, sort of beside the point. So, uh, you know, I can't. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, but for $5 and up, you can get access to The Secret Show, which we're going to be doing here in about an hour and a half. We do a bunch of Disney news. We have a drink to, to give, we give you a drink recipe. It's not just us drinking. There's a half a million podcasts out there that are just that. But you get the, the recipe that we're going to be drinking. You also get a discount on our Etsy store and get access to a whole bunch of other stuff. So check it out. Patreon.com slash ears up and then you go to etsy.com slash shop slash coveyors and that's where you can buy all of our cool shirts and a bunch of merch and stuff like that blah that's it i'm done i gotta okay. shorten those somehow i think hmm. i don't know <laughs> um you know what eric you know what i had the other day i don't our friends at the 21st amendment brewery welcome the warmer weather with the release of their brand new hoppy pilsner Coaster Pills. With a label that depicts a magical portal into an amusement park of flavors, Coaster Pills has a good time around every turn. Coaster Pills is wonderfully clear and bright with a beautiful straw color and tight white bubbles. It has a snappy flavor with crisp lines and wonderful citrus tropical hoppy flavors and aromas. Plus, at 5.4% ABV, it'll help you coast right through your day like only the 21st Amendment can. Coaster Pills, as well as our summertime favorite Hell or High Watermelon Wheat, are available wherever you find great craft beer. Yeah, I finally got one. I finally got some Coaster Pills. I had to drive all the way to Pleasant Hill, which is about, I don't know, 40 minutes away. So I got some before some. you. Yeah. Because I, I bought a case last month. Ugh. <laughs> I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. Because I might as well have just driven to the brewery. But it's really good. I told I was texting Sully. I was like, you know what? This is probably your best beer in years. Oh, it's it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm disappointed that we only I only found that one case once. Um, Damn, we don't get a whole lot of 21 out here, but when we do, I like to pick it up. You should. Um, let's see who's in the chat saying this thing. Brian is in the chat saying that those mugs are already on eBay going for about two hundred dollars. How already? Well, because these I, people probably have their reservation, but I didn't think you could. I didn't think you could pre-order until Friday morning. Yeah, that's interesting. I know. I, I hmm. usually see things while they're in line because they're relatively yeah. certain they're going to get it, and they throw up a generic picture of it from Disney. And yeah, um, that's re- that's interesting. They're they're very they're they're cocksure they're going <laughs> to they get sh- one of these. Yeah, you're half right. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's that's weird. The whole resale market is is odd to me. But you know, what are you gonna do? I just don't participate in it. I just watch it from afar. I would like to at some point on like, on some level. I get it. I totally understand. But very predatory. That's a great idea for Mike. Buy the two hundred dollar mug and resell it for five. <laughs> that might be able is, to pull that off. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's uh, basically NFTs. This is <laughs> <laughs> ask people how 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 well that's going. Uh, all right, Eric, let's um, talk. Great. Let's talk about C.V. Wood, my friend. Oh, we're just jumping into it. I okay. guess. Well, it's, okay. we don't have a Seggy first, right? That's true. Yes, I spent yeah. all of my time on this thing. That's right. And Bev's not here. Not that she had one anyway, but. <laughs> okay. All right. Going for it here. Uh, C.V. Wood um, named, named Cornelius Vanderbilt. Wood Jr., uh, born on December 17th, 1920 in Waynoka, Oklahoma, died March 14th, 1992. Well, spoilers, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, we're just jumping all over the timeline here. His (laughs) his friends knew him as Woody, and he has a very similar backstory to Walt, but he's a little little bit edgier. Um, And eventually he he became, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, he became the first real real employee of Disneyland. Hmm. He was the park's first general manager. He was the executive vice president of the park. And um, he was uh, probably one of the first people to be fired. (laughs) I don't know about that. Six months. I'm sure Walt hired some, you know, first in, first out, man. Right. I don't know. But let's get into his backstory here. 
Like I said, he did start out with a similar backstory. He was not wealthy. He was born to farmers, but he was a big fan of movies. So he spent all of his money that he earned helping out on his parents' farm, heading to the cowboy movies, and he wanted cowboy gear to look like his favorite stars. So once he got his nice setup, part of his you know cowboy outfit came with a, a lariat. Oh, so he started learning rope tricks at a young age. He would watch the movies and try to imitate the rope tricks that he would see cowboys do in the movies. And he would talk to the ranch hands and learn how they use their ropes. Mm. So he blended together this practical experience for actually roping cattle. Yeah. And with the, the showmanship that came along, he, um, he, he became a showman himself and would impress his friends and parents. He was a con man at a very early age who earned money by gambling. Oops, my dog just triggered my chair and I fell to the floor. <laughs> yeah, <I was> like, <laughs> what? Eric is falling in slow motion somehow, but still talking. And I, I respect that. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, that's good. <laughs> He's owned by your dog. <laughs> I honestly he, wish like next time if you fall, I need you to embellish it a little bit more because that would be the perfect thing for our TikTok channel. <laughs> right. Fling the chair up in the yeah. air. Bah! Your shoes come off. Hit you in the face. Great. Yeah, that's good. People love that. People getting hurt. Yep. Yes. So he earned money by gambling. He also started a a store Um, when his family lived near Amarillo, Texas. He would go downtown and buy candy in bulk and then go back to school and sell it to kids for a profit. That is such a common thing. I did that in middle school with <laughs> airheads. I'd buy a box of by the full box. Yeah, buy the full box of airheads, which is I don't know how many were in there. And then you try to sell them. But it doesn't really work, especially with something you like, because then you end up eating all your profit. Oh, see, you got to have some discipline. That's why. That's right. That's why. (laughs) Watch those margins. That's why I don't sell pills. No, I'm kidding. Um, Yeah. So what was he selling? Candy, you said? Yeah, just candy. I don't know how, as a kid, you can um, have the kind of self-control to enable yourself to earn a profit. Well, <laughs> selling he, candy. Yeah, he wanted to earn money. He wanted to have a better life than what he was kind of starting out with, even though Jeez, his family yeah. weren't poor, poor. But, um, you know, he just liked having stuff and liked impressing people. So, yeah, you know, a little hustle there. <laughs> That's true. My brothers would do would do would sort of prey on each other. The middle brother, I'm the youngest. My middle brother, Pete, would lend money to my older brother, Paul, but charge him interest. Hmm. It's like, okay, cool. Nice. But like 50% <laughs> it, like just serious, like predatory. Yeah, I, mean, I guess it's maybe it's not predatory. I don't know, but it's very, uh, yeah. And he would get mad and they would get into fights over it. And he was like, <laughs> then don't borrow the money. I mean, right. what do you want? <laughs> what do you want you from me? You don't have to play into it. Yeah. Like, God, man, kids, I never had that really, uh, like up, go get him attitude when I was that young. Well, this attitude helped CV quite a bit. He won a talent show with his lariat skills. Um, so he, he was very proud that he was self-taught, but he he beat these other children who were taking ballet lessons and piano lessons and, and such. And he won his he won the school talent show. Hmm. And when his parents told his grandmother about this, she said, hey, let him come to L.A. in the summer. I want to see if I can get him into some vaudeville theaters. Oh, wow. That's so he that's how far away. That's how far back this was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So by by day, he would hang out in the pool hall that her her boyfriend owned nice and learned jokes, dirty jokes and schemes from old, old men at the pool hall. This is like an eight to 10 year old kid. This predates CPS, I imagine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. And at night he performed in, in theaters around town. She would get him, she would book him gigs and he'd do his lariat tricks at theaters. Man, what a cool life already. This kid is cooler than I'll ever be. <laughs> right, right. To show you how cool he is, um, he he basically made his own gang. It started out as nice. uh, CV and uh, CV and the Bomber Twins. Um, <laughs> but after after he's basically he made a lot of friends through Boy Scouts and all of his schemes. So it was this group of nine kids that hung out all the time, and they called themselves the Bombers. He was absolutely these kids are the toughest children you could ever imagine. <laughs> oh, kid, yeah, this kid's like a little Tom Sawyer. Oh, yeah. And reading reading accounts of this, he's doing all the classic pranks, putting a thumbtack on teacher's chair. Oh, God, I would love I man. I distinctly remember like talking about doing that in school, but nobody ever did. We didn't have the, the cojones to do it. But this right. CV would. That's why he made something of himself. Oh, he's he's going for it. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was absolutely loyal to these friends. They they 
all had this bond of trust. They were his family just as much as his actual family were. Um, and they it, basically they just did pranks and uh, tried to score booze. Damn, dude. Right. And I, here I thought I was cool in my 20s doing the same thing. Right. Trying well, to score booze doing and pull pranks. His, you know, tweens and teens. Man, I love um, it. He made a pledge with everybody that the first boy in the group to earn a million dollars would give 10 grand to each of the rest of the boys as seed money to start doing, <laughs> start doing, start doing you know, crimes. I don't know. Being, getting better, getting out of, you know, Texas. Mm. Um, so it was kind of, kind of nice. I'm sure that if that actually, I, I don't know if that actually happened, but I do, um, I do like the, it's basically the rise and grind mindset, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. where he's not, he's not just sort of being a little turd just to be a turd. Like he wants to, you know, get out of his lifestyle and have a better life for himself. It's yeah. not just like, oh, I just want to, you know, a 10 hundred thousand million sneakers or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. He wants, he wants the sweet life and he yeah. knows how to get it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Somehow. Well, he made it through school somehow. And uh, went to college, tried going to college twice and uh, left both times. It's unclear whether he actually ever took any courses. <laughs> after he left the second college, he ended up getting a job at the aerospace company Convair as an engineer. He went in to talk about talk to them about a riveting job, like as a riveter. Okay. And somehow sweet talked them into giving him a job as an engineer. When they asked what his degree in, he said it was engineering from Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or wh- whichever college it was. Okay, and no one ever checked. Well, yeah, the telegram would take thirteen weeks to arrive. Right. No one asked him to produce a degree <laughs> or any any transcripts or anything. No test. No, like, oh. oh, they just took you at your word at that back then. Right. Right. Now the the interesting thing was this job was in the the engineering job. Well, the riveting job would have been in Texas. The engineering job was in San Diego. Okay, so he made it. He he picked up everything. He moved to San Diego, and unlike what you might think, he found that he really enjoyed the work, and mm. he worked. He he busted ass to make sure that he could actually be. A, an engineer he wanted to do the job right so he learned what he needed to he worked hard there was one story where his boss gave him basically a, a some report that would take days to assemble and present and he stayed up all night and gave it to him the next day so wow. he proved over and over to his bosses that he would do whatever it took to get the work done even though he had no engineering background right oh yeah he learned on the job hey wow. bob bob Gurr wasn't an engineer and he built all the vehicles at Disneyland. <laughs> well, I mean, true, but at least he had some mechanical, you know, knowledge, right? True. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know how he did it, but he worked hard. And true to his word, he started hiring his old buddies for jobs. Nice. Any opportunity he could, he would call back home and say, hey, I got something for you. And of course, they would come back because he was paying them like twice as much as they were making. Yeah. And it would. It was this. They all thought that this was the party was about to begin. Like we're we're back into it. It's the old gang, and they actually remarked that he was different now. He was still the same guy, mm-hmm. but he was hardworking and he wanted to succeed. He wanted to keep rising up in the company. He wanted. He got a glimpse of that better life, and he knew that he was going to do it with his friends and get you know get where he wanted to go. Yeah, and so he he rose up through the company and then ended up leaving. Um, to uh, to find some other opportunities around California. Meanwhile, cut to Walt Disney, who's building this little this little or thinking about building this little park called Disneyland. He hires Stan- Stanford Research Institute or SRI. They're a company that basically does assessments and and projections. So he, he wanted to find he wanted their help in finding the land for Disneyland mm. and also to determine the park's economic feasibility. Will this place be a success based on what I want to do? So on June 3rd, 1953, Walt met SRI's one of their newer up and comers, C.V. Wood, oh. who was basically an assistant of one of the one of their senior analysts. And Woody helped convince Walt early on that he was thinking too small. Walt wanted this parcel of land because look, Herb Ryman drew this thing and I want it to be there. Walt Woody <laughs> right. was the one saying, you're going to need parking lots. You're going to need more hmm. and kind of pissed Walt, Walt off because he kept telling him, no, you're wrong. This is what you need. But he eventually convinced 
Walt to to make it bigger. And SRI did their job. They were paid a large amount of money, um, a large sum to do this feasibility study. And in the meantime, Woody is is helping out with all of these things. He's learning the the industry. He's visiting parks and zoos. He went to the Tivoli Gardens in Denmark. All of these inspirational amusement parks that you hear about that these things informed Disneyland. Mm-hmm. He's going out and seeing it. He's watching lines, understanding those dynamics. He was the one who realized that if there isn't a line, people aren't going to pay a ticket for it. There need to be people online. Otherwise, well, obviously it's boring. So he's the one who is credited as telling Walt, you need to start out your day like Jungle Cruise. You start out with two boats on that river. And by the end of the day, at, you know, at its peak, you've got 10 going. But wow. you got to have you got to you know lower the ride capacity when there aren't as many people around so that people will see, oh, this is cool. I'm got, they want to wait in line because they know <laughs> people that's really valuable. Do. They really do want to wait in line. <laughs> right. So he's. I mean, he's intelligent. He's not just screwing around. He knows what he's doing at this point. Yeah, but it is also still that same sort of like scheming child brain going on, right? Like, this is how you fool people. Yeah, you know? about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, whenever whenever the press starts looking at, at what's going on and asking, hey, who's doing this? Who's Who's doing these land deals? Who's looking to buy this place? He would leak information that to the papers, I know Walt Disney's looking in the San Fernando Valley. I know Walt Disney is looking in San Diego. <laughs> so he keeps diverting the press. He's lying to the press so that they don't know what's happening in Anaheim because he knows it's crucial that they get the land cheap. Wow. And speaking of shady deals, he goes to the it really the, it's not that shady. He's going to landowners and he's saying he's buying an option to buy the land. So he's approaching them not as Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. It's him and his associates. Yeah. And they're saying for a hundred dollars an acre, we reserve the right to buy your land at a later date for $4,000 per acre, which was less than what the land is generally worth. Okay. But they knew be- because they had a, they had a lot of, they had a good margin for error that they could actually re- react when some farmers said, I want $5,000 an acre. Great. We'll do it. Or they'd say, Hey, I've got this old farmhouse here. This has to be worth something. They'd say, great, here's 10 grand. Give give me your house too. So because of his charm and his Texas like slick talk, he's talking all these people into selling their land. They've determined this is the space we want. We've got to get the entire area. So they canvass the entire area, get everybody to contract out for it. And boom, they have, they have what they need. They shell out the money and Disneyland is about to start. Wow. Around this time, Woody's getting kind of bored at, Stanford research because they don't normally do theme park stuff. They're doing, they're doing, you know, highway feasibility and, and other giant businesses. This is the first time. The only reason they did this job is because it's Walt Disney. And they're like, we got to find out about this, this park. You want to do an amusement park? Come on. Yeah. We got to be in on that. Right now. Woody loves the idea. So he hits up Roy and Walt for a job. He pitches to them that he has all of this experience and he really does. Over the years, he's earned experience in construction, project management. He spent the last year visiting amusement parks around the world. So even though he's got a fake degree, he has real experience. He has worked hard. Hmm. He really did fake it until he made it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't feel like so, you can do that now, but I guess you can. I mean, if this took place in like the 90s or the 2000s. This man would have had a true crime podcast about it by now. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it, the, the crimes haven't really started yet. Okay. We'll get there. Okay. Now, Woody gets hired by Roy convinces Walt to hire him. Walt doesn't really like him, but Roy likes the idea of somebody else that'll help him stand up to Walt and say, hey, this is what we've got to do. He's very practical, whereas Walt is very artsy. So on. April 5th, Roy hires Woody as the park's first actual employee. Now, Walt never really trusted Woody. He found his approaches to be a little too slick. He, he figured he was doing something unethical, but really couldn't put his finger on it. He preferred straight shooters like Roy. Yeah, it sounds like their personalities would clash. Yeah. Yeah, I get that for sure. Yeah. Day one, he actually warns Woody. Um, he says, starting out at vice president means there's no room for advancement. So you better be good. Subtext, do this job right or you're gone. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's a tall order to to tell a new guy. And Woody never trusted Walt because Walt was moody. I and mean, we all hear about Walt's moods. 
um, Walt, Walt was too tough to read and he didn't, Walt didn't fall for Woody's like slick talk. Hmm. The Texas charm did not work on Walt. They're both, they're both men that came up from, from poverty and made themselves something. And Walt just it wasn't having it. Um, so Woody decided that he was going to surround himself with his old cronies like usual. So he started hiring up his old pals. Um, not everybody was worthless. He really wanted to find people that were good at their jobs. Again, his shenanigans, in general, the, the pranks and the shenanigans, they weren't around. He really wanted to do a good job with this. Um, so one of his old time pals, Van Arsdale, France, um, was hired. <laughs> But if you sounds like a code I mean, name. <laughs> oh, yeah. But Van France is is a legend at Disney because he's the one who wrote the original training manuals for the parks. Oh, wow. he's he's still in parks history. He's not he hasn't been scrubbed out like his pal CV. And Woody also hired Admiral Joe Fowler. Oh, he's the one who convinced Walt. Hey, this old guy knows what he's doing. We really? need him to build the Mark Twain. Kind of neat. Yeah, and he's the one that's putting this crew together. These are the people that are building the park. Now, here, here's the first crime, the first outright crime. While they're working on demolition of the area, there were, there were a few houses that they didn't have permission to just destroy. They needed permits from the city of Anaheim to do so. Okay. And Woody decided that might take too long. Sure. Also, one of the houses had an insurance policy on it. He gathered up several of his pals, bought a bunch of whiskey and beer, and at some point in the night, gestured toward the houses and said, wouldn't it be a shame if these burned down? <laughs> now, Van France, who wasn't the one who started the fire, <laughs> retells this as saying uh, he was there. He, he claims somebody dropped a match <laughs> and the house went up. So he went back to Woody's trailer and said, hey, this house is on fire. Woody responded, have you called the police yet or called the fire department yet? Nope. Great. And Woody looks out the window and goes, you burned the wrong one, you idiot. <laughs> and instead of just burning down the one house for the insurance money, they decided to let the entire thing burn before they called the fire department. God. You weren't kidding when you said the crimes hadn't started yet. That's right. Yeah. And this wild. is, I mean, there are multiple people that attest to this, that Woody told them to burn down that house. <laughs> uh who lived there? Do we know? I mean, do we know details about that? that that'd be an interesting um, interview. I don't know which. Well, everybody had left. OK, they, they had already left. It's just one of the houses. The they were the waiting own, to be. Right, they wanted okay. to move the house. God, oh, even better. Right. OK, you yes. wanted the other houses were vacant and had been purchased by Disney. But that one house still had an insurance policy on it. And the family wanted it moved to a new location. And they just decided to burn it down. They cited act of God and nobody really questioned it for a long time. <laughs> All right. I love insurance fraud. Yeah. I mean, because I would get the Disney company in big trouble, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's very much against the image of of Disney. Right. But there's more. Okay. There's so much more. <laughs> All right. Good. Uh, Woody was also in charge of getting money for mm. the parks. Same. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, early on, he realized that Walt was not doing well at at enticing the big investors. Walt got ABC to sign on, but he had talked to Hallmark and Coca-Cola as well. They were more interested in touring the Disney studios and learning about how movies were made than actually investing in this park. They didn't, they didn't yeah. care. Of course not. I wouldn't right. care either. I just, right. I, I want all the tours and then like, yeah, I got the money. We'll do it. But I just, I want to know all the things that I want to know first. Mm -hmm. I well, get that. And, but they didn't give the money. They wouldn't. Oh, they, they thought it was, they thought it was dumb. A CV uh, wouldn't. Right. Well, this is when Walt's talking to them. Now, as Walt, we all know the story. Walt sold his life insurance policy and he, he financed everything he could. He went deeply into debt to to make Disneyland a reality. What it, all of those things happened. But the park actually got built because Woody rolled up his sleeves and got to work. Um, his first deal, he went to Swift's Meats, a, a meat company in Chicago and convince them to develop a restaurant and pay $110,000 per year as a lessee. You know, he kind of failed at first, but then he went back in and he sweet-talked the CEO, got him to sign on, and he knew what people wanted. He knew what they wanted to hear. He knew how to, how to balance that, that aspect of, if you're in the parks, you're not just paying us. People will go to Disneyland and they'll leave thinking, 
I had a great Pepsi at Disneyland. I want to buy more Pepsi. I want to gas up my car with rich field oil like the Autopia cars. <laughs> right. And and sure enough, he turned that around and got some very big investors like PepsiCo, Richfield Oil, the Upjohn Pharmacy chain paid $29,600 a, a, um, a year to get in. They had that little Upjohn Pharmacy in the early days, hmm. that, that little mock pharmacy where they handed out bottles of, of candy. Yeah. Um, bank of America came in. That's why we had an actual bank in Disneyland. Carnation Ice Cream. Um, the Santa Fe Railway was interesting. Walt went to Santa Fe and they said, well, when we normally do kitty parks with their trains, we kind of give them, we, we pay for paint so they can paint our name on the side of the train. We're not <laughs> paying you money. Um, after. Yeah, here's free after, paint instead. Right. After <laughs> Woody went to them a, a few months later, they ponied up $50,000 per year. Wow. Eastman Kodak, $28,000 per year. He also got a lot of smaller companies in Sunnyview Farms, um, Yale Locks, the National Lead Company. Oh, yeah. Good. Dickinson's Jams and Jellies. And lest we forget, yeah. the famed Hollywood Maxwell Brazier Company of L.A. Ah, there we go. C.V. Wood was directly responsible for booking the Wizard of Bras himself. <laughs> I kind of um, I kind of missed that story even more now. I like the, right. the lore of it even more, like a, a smarmy, slick salesman. Just, right. I mean, that's basically one of like his little pranks, it sounds like. It might maybe, well, it, you know what I mean? Maybe that was the, the motivation behind it. Like, this is going to be really funny, but a bra store in a kid park. I, I don't know if that, maybe that was part of it, but he knew the owner, Hendren Norris, who was another <laughs> old friend of Woody's. Hendren. So he approached him and said, you got to get in on this, man. Dude, I, <laughs> I, would, I would bet money that that's exactly what it was. Where he's like, right. this is going to be funny. Walt needs money. I'm going to, let's, you know, we're going to float you some money. We're also going to have a bra store in a <laughs> right. park geared for families. How great is that? Yeah, I mean, he was a genius. He was a, a smooth talker who created this idea of scarcity. He told people we're running out of space in this park. You've got to get in. But once there was this snowball effect, everybody wanted to get in. They couldn't miss out on the opportunity to be part of Disneyland. Sure. He also insisted on five-year leases uh, with the first year and the last year paid up front. Up front, absolutely. Yeah. So millions in cash flowing into the parks here. He also demanded kickbacks from the smaller companies. <laughs> oh, attaboy. There's the grift. I mean, I guess it's not really yeah. a grift. It's more of a strong arm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a strong arm. Wow. And. It like Dickinson's Jams and Jellies has been specifically mentioned as one of the companies that had to pay him personally extra cash. And he, one of his one of his goons would show up each month and ask for extra cash because Walt wouldn't give him a raise, even though he was bringing all this money in. He said, well, I'll, I'll give myself a raise. Um, of course. So he didn't go for any of the big companies. He didn't make waves. He was smart. He did the small ones. Yeah, because he could e probably easily replace those. Oh, yeah. You can't yeah. easily replace a, you know, a Pepsi. I mean, I guess you could with Coke, but you know, like a carnation ice cream. Right. Dickinson's. Wait. I mean, you know, whatever. Who cares? Get right. another yeah. jam company. Doesn't matter. Yeah. These little companies are desperate to get in. They know that people are going to see the jams and jellies store at Disneyland. And this is their chance. Yeah. And I suppose it kind of worked. Um, you know, they, they got them in there. It's true. Now, after the park opened, Walt's unease with Woody never really let up. They kept having these fights about the future of the park and what they wanted to do. Um, but Walt needed Woody there. He knew the park better than anybody. So he needed him to watch the park and Walt needed to stay back in the studio and keep things rolling. All these stories of Walt coming and visiting the park, I'm sure they're all true, but he needed somebody there every day yeah. to handle things. He had hired most of the people that were working there. Oh, sounds like Bev's coming on. Hold on. Give me her breathing and typing. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was muted. No, it's all right, man. Uh, let's take a quick break, everybody. We're going right. to come right back. We're going to hear more about C.V. Wood. We're going to, uh, you know, see how uh, Beverly's time with the roadside assistance man went. And, um, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Hang it tight. We'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, back to the show that's more fun than waiting in line for Peter Pan on a hot August Anaheim day. Ears up. All right, thanks for joining us, everybody, or at least thanks for sticking around. Whoops, I ended that <laughs> very abruptly. Oh. It was just, you know, record scratch noise insert here. Bev, what's up, dude? Hi, sorry I'm late. It's all right. We're glad you're here, man. You had um, some issues with uh, the roadside assistance man or something. Yeah, I got a flat tire. And, a flat tire. you know, when you have, Damn. I don't like pay extra for like AAA. Oh, you should. I know. It's $100 a year. No, dude, I know. Good. But I have roadside with my Geico, and I was like, this, oh, okay. this is this is fine. Yeah, Except that's something. They take a hundred years to show up for anything. <laughs> but I feel like that's just that's just And it's just like some guy in a civic. Like it's really not a very legit looking thing. Like he was like Beverly, and I'm like, is this an Uber? <laughs> <laughs> like you're gonna get served papers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just shows up and helped you with changing the tire? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. So you same have thing, a- I mean, like I've had a couple experiences with roadside. I had the same thing. I ran out of gas on the freeway. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> and it was the same sort of situation where I just I sat on the side of the road and somebody in a charger showed up. Jeez, blowing donuts. Put some gas in my car <laughs> yeah. and but it was raining. And so my headlights and my windshield wipers were on. My car wasn't running. So that killed my battery. Oh, good. So he like, I'm like about to leave and I, my car won't start. So I'm like honking the horn. I'm like, don't leave yet. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a jump. Wow. Yeah. Well, good on you for having a full size spare. Yeah. Or do you oh, that, was, that was a whole thing too, though, because yeah. I always forget. I mean, look, full disclosure, I have an SUV and the back of it is constantly filled with stuff. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily stuff I should be driving around with, just stuff I yeah. have not done anything with. Hard drugs. Uh, including a fireplace. Again, an electric fireplace is in the box in the back of my car because I just haven't brought it into my house yet. It's cool, man. heavy and getting it into my house kind of sucks. Yeah. And but there's this little like latch thing in the back where you can like store stuff like that's where the extra headrests are for the third row and the headphones for the DVD player and blah, oh, blah, blah. Wow. Would you drive a limo? Yeah. Y- yes. All right. <laughs> but um, I always forget that there are wheel locks. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Oh. <laughs> yep. He's like, so where are your wheel locks? And I was like, son of a. <laughs> so I had to like move all this crap around, lift. It was. Yeah. Just keep your wheel lock. It's because it's just the, the key for the, the locking nut. Right. Just keep it in your yeah. glove box. Yeah. I can put it there. Dude, this is a, this is I know this right. is a reoccurring thing. This happens every time I get my tires changed. <laughs> like every time I get them rotated every single time. Do you I th- do I do anything with it? No, yeah. no. Perfect. Am I going to? Probably not. Probably not. Well, am I going to learn from my mistakes? Nah. No, of course not. Um, all right. Well, we're learning about CV Wood, Bev. Okay. And, uh, you know, so far I've learned that he was uh, pretty cool. You know, okay. basically CV Wood is sort of like, you know, the kids on like the bad kid island in Pinocchio or whatever. <laughs> yes. That's him. I don't think that's what that's called, but yes. Oh, yeah. All those kids are basically just embody this man. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> And Disneyland wouldn't have been made without him. <laughs> That's end. true. Yeah, the end. Uh, all right, Eric, let's go. What do you got? What, uh, where, are, right. where are we in the CV Wood CV? Oh, well, Disneyland is open. Walt is fighting with uh, with Woody all the time about what they want to do at the park and what Wood thinks is better. He looks at Walt as this, you know, artistic genius sort of guy, and he needs to have a lesson in what practical things happen in a theme park. And then Walt wanted to put in a circus. the mickey mouse club circus opened november 24th 1955 against massive objections from woody walt was looking at attendance declining once school started and he had always wanted to have his own circus in the parks they don't talk about this a whole lot because it didn't go well but in the original drawings from herb ryman of the park he made sure that there was a circus area because he wanted to do his own circus 
he thought that this would kick up attendance. Woody got the point saying anybody can go to a circus anywhere in the country. So why would they pay 50 cents to see Walt's circus when they're already in his theme park? And uh, that's an interesting point that the Mickey Mouse Club Circus was the first hard ticket event at (laughs) the Disney park. (laughs) Wow. Several months in, Walt finally conceded a bit and admitted that it's a little bit of a gamble. So he paid for the circus and what he tends to do. So he Mm. pays for it through Walt Disney Productions instead of Disneyland. And he leased the land from Woody. Wow. Now, the circus opened up. It it was in an area that is now basically uh, the, the Matterhorn. It was right next to Holiday Hill, the large mound of dirt where teenagers used to make out. And uh, even though the opening day event was Fess Parker as the first ringmaster, Fess Parker, Davy Crockett himself, even though it was advertised a whole bunch and it was on Thanksgiving weekend, it was a huge flop. The place was barely half full on opening day. But, you know, who wouldn't want to spend a full 90 minutes at a circus when Disneyland is right outside that tent? Right. And it's not like they had the hours that we do now and during the day. You know what I right, mean? Right. You're going very limited time. Oh, yeah. The circus, aside from being unpopular, was also problematic. The clowns were frequently drunk. <laughs> And combine that with the reason it's called the Mickey Mouse Club Circus is because he'd have the kids and the other the adults from Mickey Mouse Club doing some of the like he hired a professional circus troupe to do the circus stuff. Mm-hmm. Like these are professional clowns. These are <laughs> professional like trapeze artists. <laughs> yeah. Drunken. Yeah. Carnies. Right. Right. Yeah. He hired carnies into his park, but they're hanging around the wholesome Mickey Mouse Club kids. Oh, God. Backstage. Poor Annette um, Funicello. Right. The animals were barely trained. Um, a panther apparently bit the uh, paw off of another animal. Oh, my God. Because it was too close to its cage. Wow. Uh, and there was also a wardrobe accident uh, where one of the trapeze artists um, had her top fall off mid-flight. Oh, dear. <laughs> causing a very large scandal for its time. Wow. Woody confronted Walt and said, why don't you cut the showtime in half? And Walt basically told him, why don't you shut up? (laughs) They they had cut you in half. They had a shouting match in the middle of the park. But the show closed very early after only a few weeks running. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, yeah, because they didn't repeat that uh, wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) Right, right. You know what I mean? That was very popular amongst Disney dads. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Walt continued to fight with Woody over all every decision. And Woody reported that he never knew which Walt was going to show up for work. Was it going to be the happy guy who was proud of what he had built and who wanted to explore the park and and meet people? Or was it angry Walt who was going to shout at Woody for every decision he made? Was he me? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, Now, at this time, there's still other restaurants opening up. And the Maxwell Coffee House was one of Woody's latest gets, one of the newest people to join the, the lease program. Um, And the restaurant was behind schedule. The official reason Walt got upset with Woody was that the Maxwell Coffee House was opening late, but everything was opening late at Disneyland. Like, why this particular thing? All signs kind of point to Walt finally learned about how Woody made his cash. Uh, One of Woody's bag men bought a house a few months after the park opened up. So (laughs) he wasn't he was getting a little flashy with things. He was on he was on TV. He was in the newspapers. Oh, my this God. was C.V. Wood, who helped design Disneyland. And Walt was not happy with the press. And he definitely wasn't happy when he found out that one of his employees was getting rich. Didn't they haven't seen Goodfellas? I mean, come on. You don't go flash <laughs> your stuff. You don't go buy a car. That's how you right. get whacked. What are you doing? Oh, there you whacked. go. Whacked. Like a mole. For a Christmas bonus in 1955, Woody was given $10,000, which is an That's awful a lot of lot. money then. Yeah. From the company, from Walt? From the company, yeah. Walt, wow. Walt paid him $10,000 as a bonus. And in return, Woody stole a bunch of files containing park figures and attendance figures and blueprints, that sort of thing. <laughs> and he hid them in his house. To what end? What the heck? I mean, you well, made me get to it, but like, Why? We'll we'll get there. Okay. Um, very very soon okay. on February first, nineteen fifty six, Woods' official departure was announced. It was said that he was um, he was resigning, 
but he was very obviously fired from his role. Hmm. Walt hated him. He found out he was stealing money from him. So he quietly paid him and got out. He didn't want news coming out about the shady dealings happening that were very non Disney, but the big question, how long did Walt know? Did Walt really just find out after the park opened or did he, is there a potential that he knew along the way, but realized that Woody was the one bringing in millions of dollars in leasing fees that were responsible, directly responsible for the park getting opened? I don't know the answer to that question. He yeah, must have suspected it. I mean, he, Walt's not a dummy. And that's well, it. Or he, or, or wasn't Roy the one in charge of the money? Somebody, somebody was, was like, something's not right here. This, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. I f- and maybe they were just hesitant because, like you said, because. I feel like, I feel like Walt, it's one of those things where if he thought about it or if he looked into it at all, he would know. So he would rather just plead ignorance and not know mm-hmm. because his park is on the line. Like you said, he's, he's bringing the money inside. So I think it's a little bit of both, honestly, because yeah. Walt just wanted Wanted the thing to get done. You know what I mean? I mean, that's why he was him and Roy were touring uh, Germany, you know, and meeting with uh, the Nazi party in Germany to get their films over in in 1935. That's pretty bad, right? So I think whatever C.V. Wood and him are doing, it's not. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Walt's like, look, dude, (laughs) we were in bed with the Nazi party 20 years ago. This is fine. It's okay. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) Well, the story wasn't over for Wood. He went on, he, he took those plans and he started branding himself as the master planner of Disneyland. Oh. Um, Walt sued him for that title. Really? <laughs> and succeeded. He didn't seek financial damages. He just wanted him to stop saying, I built Disneyland. But he kind of did. I mean, he kind of did. He kind of, I mean, I guess. Did he build it or design it? Well, or yes. sort of neither. He was the, the guy on the ground making things happen. Right. But he was very much involved in the actual construction of the park. He oversaw construction. He oversaw the, the fundraising. He had his fingers everywhere in there. I'm sure he didn't swing a hammer, but he, he hired the guy <laughs> who did it. Yeah. Well, if he swung a hammer, it wasn't at a nail. It was at someone's <laughs> hand. Someone's kneecaps. Yeah. Kneecap. yeah. <laughs> He's... He's going to uh, the Dickinsons about their jams and jellies and saying, listen, you better pay up. That's right. Well, he went on to open up a whole bunch of other theme parks around America. Wow. Uh, he he uh, his first full park that he designed was Magic Mountain in Golden, Colorado, huh. which uh, operated from 1957 to 1959. <laughs> OK. It it did close, but it was bought out by another company and it, it reopened as Heritage Square and it existed until like 2018. Wow. Um, my wife remembers going to that park. I don't know why we didn't go to that park when we first moved out here, but, it, you know, it's a, you know, quaint little it, it's what so many parks are like. We've got a little Victorian area and we've got a little Western area. There was a, a big slide down the mountain. So you climb up and you know, Hop on a mat and slide down. Nice. Um, I like Matt. Yeah, it was, yeah, he's great. He's a good dude. <laughs> right. He went to Massachusetts and built Pleasure Island, which operated from 1959 to 1969. In New York City, Freedom Land opened in 1960, which was a very close replica of Disneyland itself. Whoa. He went to Texas and was he didn't finish the job, but he did the initial planning for the first Six Flags Park. Hmm. And after that, he got kind of bored and went to Arizona and designed Lake Havasu City. Um, <laughs> I've been there. I love just designing a city. I mean, you know, right. I can build a theme park. I can design a city. It's cool, dude. <laughs> right. He was quoted in those later years as saying that Disneyland was made by the team of C.V. Wood and Roy Disney. <laughs> oh, man. Well, suited for that one, too. No love lost. <laughs> right. <laughs> He said, Walt makes wonderful movies and invented theme parks, but he didn't know anything about running theme parks. I mean, I feel like that's clear. That's yeah, that's not a false statement. It's a little you could definitely argue, but it's not. (laughs) You could argue that point and probably win in like a debate class. Oh, yeah. I mean, considering how much nonsense and garbage was in that park when it first opened. Come on. (laughs) 
Let's okay. just let's just circle back to that uh, circus. Yeah, right. Well, and you know, and also let's just go back. You know, it's funny because you were saying that uh, you know we don't really talk much about CV Wood. You know, the company wise, it's funny how much of Disney history is sort of whitewashed in that way, where it's sort of polished and the fat's trimmed off, and it's sort of streamlined, right? So to to make it easier to uh, accept or just you know the whole family friendly, more palatable thing. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly what they're doing with, you know, with that, where it's like, oh, well, you know, Walt uh, didn't really know anything. Yeah. If you, if you look at the history, it sort of seems that way. Kind of right. Kinda. Yeah. Not a hundred percent. Right. But there's, there's a grain of truth there for sure. And it de- definitely CV Wood sounds like that guy to take that grain of truth and blow it up. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, Walt's an idea, man. But uh, Walt, in retaliation, scrubbed all records of wood from... Oh, from the official Disney history banks. I love it. I love the pettiness. There's almost nothing out there about him. All records at Disney of his employment have been officially sealed. Author Todd James Pierce went to the Disney archives and the head archivist said he couldn't access those records. Whoa. Oh my goodness. Wow. Um, this is some FBI nonsense. Right. Even It's employees- all redacted. It's all just like black lines <laughs> through everything. Right. Wood. Yeah. <laughs> Walt. (laughs) What? Employees that knew him and worked with him generally don't like to talk about him. Even Hmm. some of his old pals like Van France, they'll tell some stories. And that's where a lot of this, a lot of his history has come out is stories told by his friends. But as far as the Disney history goes, they're pretty tight lipped about it, too. Like Bob Gurr doesn't talk about him. Uh, Marty Scar didn't talk about him. Do you think they were all like had to sign like non-disclosures? I'm I'm sure they're just part of the Disney culture. And they no, Walt burned that bridge. I'm not talking about that guy. Forget that guy. Yeah. Or it, maybe there was much more to what CV Wood was doing that nobody really knows that they're just, they don't feels it feels weird to like talk about the bad part. Yeah. It's definitely incongruent you know? with the rest of Disney history. Yeah. But like, I wonder if, I wonder if it's, it's just, you know, there's some coworkers that you have where you're just like, I don't even really want to like talking about this person just makes me feel oily feel and yucky. weird. Yeah, and I wonder if that's CV Wood to these people, or that I'm not. I'd rather not mention him and, and talk about it because he was so. You know, you know what I mean. Maybe he he did things that are far worse than what we know. I mean, yeah, yeah sure, like grifting some people. Okay, that's not great, but you still talk about it. You know, I wouldn't you murder somebody. <laughs> like, what right, do you do? Right. right. Yeah. So it's uh, you know it's it's one of those those concepts that was lost for a long time. Um, Jim Hill did a lot of searching uh, Jim Hill of, you know, Disney podcasting and such fame. Um, now, a lot of what I got here is th- there's not if you search, there's not a whole lot out there. But um, Todd James Pierce um, wrote this amazing book called Three Years in Wonderland, where he has gathered a lot of first uh like primary sources, newspaper articles, interviews with mm. employees and with friends of CV. And he put together a really great narrative. He's got it really well written out where it's not, it's not dry. There's a lot of actual quotes from people. It's a super interesting read, not a long read. Um, it really goes through the narrative of here's this guy. And it tells the story of him kind of, it goes into his history and then gets into the whole Disneyland part. Two thirds of the book is just the building of Disneyland. And it's fascinating. I've read the book twice. It's really good. Cool. Um, Yeah. So he's, um, you know, he's just one of those fascinating figures that we, we, we don't hear about anymore because Disney said, (laughs) make him disappear. The power of Disney, man. Serious. I was just going to say that. That's like kind of crazy. They can just disappear someone. Yeah. Yeah. Now you can't so so much anymore, but, but yeah, man. I mean, so, the biggest takeaway that I'm getting from this is um, he's probably not going to get a window. <laughs> yeah, probably not. He's not going to be. He's, he'll never be named a Disney legend. We're, we're, jury's still out. I mean, I mean, he's he been fits, dead for a while. He fits the definition of a Disney legend. I mean, he, you know, he imparted oh, yeah. a lot of uh, had a lot of impact on the company. But uh, you know what I think we should do? We should start a petition to get oh, Wood a window. And that's that for sure. We'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Look, change.org, everybody. Head over there. I do like and- the idea of of this grifter showman narcissist 
helping to build everybody's favorite place to go, you know, into the parks. It sort of shows you that not every story is as pristine as you might think. Right. You know what I mean? And so in like the days of cancel culture, um, which is sort of more of a pejorative, I guess, these days, if I use that word right, uh, where it's sort of meant to be a, like a, a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it feels like, well, if you really knew how Disneyland was built, would you still go here? This person ripped off small businesses and, you know, skimmed off the top and, you know, he was but, still employed. But they probably made some money, too. I right? mean, they're in Disneyland. I don't know. I'm just saying. I feel like uh, never look too deep into a company's uh, history right? or an actor or someone. You know what I mean? Like, it's just don't worry about it. I guess. I don't know. Sure, that it, Eric? Not? You got it? That's it. I love it. Good job, dude. That was interesting. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. I've been wanting to talk about him for a long time, so seemed appropriate. You did it. Sort of my hero of the like. He's very anti-Disney, <laughs> but he, I don't know. It was like his superpower is to just take all this negativity and and put it into something positive, even though it's you know weird. Well, it's also so different. Like you really don't hear stories like this. No. Especially not Disney. I mean, sort of like yeah, well, that's Casino, what I mean. Like right? specific, specific to Disney, you don't yeah. hear this kind of stuff. Wasn't it like the movie Casino where De Niro like really wanted the casino to actually run and be a legitimate business, but the mob came in <laughs> and was like, right. and just sort of ruined it and then ruined him, and it was like, oh man, sort of like that, but better ending, I guess. No one got blown up at the end. <laughs> Spoiler Spoiling. alert. Yeah. Um, okay, well, you know, I had a bunch of Disney news, but it's getting late, and so I think uh, we're just gonna save it for the secret show. Okay. I think that'll be it. Bev, thanks for joining us. Hey, glad I could make it for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, I really uh, do appreciate it. Hold on, I'm going to find this. I think it's this right here. There we go. All right, everybody. If you're listening live, we're going to be joining you over on the Secret Show feed in just a second. Actually, we'll just probably flip over now and, and go live and we'll all go make drinks and we'll come back here in a, you know, in a few minutes and, and tackle the show. If you're not listening live and you want to know what the hell the secret show stuff is, patreon.com slash years up, become a Patreon member five bucks a month or more. And you get this and all the previous secret shows, all that kind of fun stuff. All right. Thank you very much, everybody for tuning in. Appreciate it. And until next time, we'll see you in the parks. Bye. Bye.